If you have been here for a while, you'll know that since January began, I started a series on altars of prayer within our life, altars of prayer. And we've been leading up to this service, not that this is the end of the series, but that this is an important service for us because today we're talking about the altar of healing, the altar of healing. And if you have your Bibles or your device that has your Bible on it, if you would turn to James chapter 5, I want to read verses 14 and then the very beginning of verse 15. And then I want to spend just a brief few minutes setting a stage. I'm not, I'm not going to preach long. I just want to do some teaching so that you know what's going to happen as we get in with hearts filled with expectation. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 14, it said, Is any of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads in your presence today, having just read your word, we have recognized that your word is pregnant with potential. In fact, you lead us into that place where you said, if you will follow the instructions of my word, this is how I am going to work and this is how I'm going to move. And so, Lord, we are filled with anticipation of what you are going to do to glorify yourself today in your house and so, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us. In Jesus' name, amen. For the last several years, for those of you that call Grace Assembly your home, you'll recognize that at the end of January, January is a month that we generally set aside as a month of prayer. We've had a week of prayer. Many of you have, have uh, seen your prayer intensify as we've been going through this series that by the time we get to the end of January, it seems as if there is a, a peak of anticipation a, a, a peak of hope, a peak of we have been filled now with a month of just seeking God. And so it seems like it's, it's a ripe time for us to begin to seek God for miracles. And so the last Sunday in January for the past several years, we've set it aside to pray specifically for healing. Last Sunday night at our prayer meeting, there was a moment in time when I just stopped and I looked because there were probably about 100 people in here praying at prayer meeting. And they just begin to walk as we prayed in preparation for this service. In fact, the seats that you are sitting in right now, every one of them has had somebody lay hands on them and say that in the name of Jesus, whoever it is that comes in and sits in this seat today, would you prepare their hearts for a miracle? As they walked through this room, they, they laid hands on the instruments, they laid hands on the pulpit, on the platform, and around the altar we gathered in anticipation to, do, to let God do what He wants to do. Yesterday, there was an in intercessory prayer group. In fact, yesterday was the second anniversary of every Saturday. There's a group of people that meets in here for two hours and just prays. I, I have often sat in my office and I can hear them praying and I think to myself, if I can't preach tomorrow after what I'm hearing going on in there right now, you need to get a new pastor because the power of God that comes through intense fervent prayer that prepares the place for what God wants to do. And so my goal is not to preach a long sermon, but I just want to teach just momentarily, just briefly, so that we can be prepared for what God wants to do. Number one, there is a biblical foundation for divine healing. Everything we do in this church will have a foundation in this book. We are people of the book, and we make sure that the book gives us the construct for us to do what we desire to do. 
We are an Assemblies of God church. For those of you that may not know it, Grace Assembly is a Grace Assembly of God. We are an Assembly of God church. We're a Pentecostal church, and we have 16 fundamental truths. In fact, yesterday there was a membership class that met, and I believe they had 26 people in that membership class. Uh, and, and in that class, yeah, you can give yourself a round of applause. We're, 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 go ahead. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Praise God. Because we're welcoming people home. And some of you that, that are attending this church and you know you want to make it your home, but you're not yet a member, a member is somebody that gets to vote on what we do and, and is a, a caretaker with us and, and what happens here. But one of the things that we do in that class is we go through the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God, the 16 reasons we exist and what the church is for. And out of that, there are four cardinal doctrines. The cardinal doctrines are we believe in salvation through Jesus Christ. We believe in divine healing. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. We believe in the second coming of Jesus. These are our doctrines. And so divine healing is an integral part of the gospel that we believe. In fact, the ministry of both Jesus and the apostles gives evidence that divine healing was integral to the proclamation of the gospel message. It's an important witness to Jesus as the revelation of the Father, the promised Messiah, and the Savior from sin for the world. In fact, Jesus, speaking in John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38, says this, Do not believe me unless I do what the Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. The Bible shows us a close connection between the healing ministry of Jesus and the saving and forgiving ministry of Jesus. The power to heal was actually a witness to His authority to forgive sins. Interesting enough, for those of you that know your Bibles, you will recognize that there was a scene where some friends went to somebody's house and tore their roof open, lowered somebody down in front of Jesus, and Jesus has a conversation not with the man that's laying there, but with those that are doubting what's going on, and Jesus forgives him of his sins. And the religious leaders are back there going, he can't do that. He doesn't have the authority to do that. And Jesus, knowing what they think, aren't you glad that Jesus knows what you think? Some of you are going, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Jesus knew what they thought, and he said, just to prove to you that I have the authority to forgive sins, I'm going to do something that you think is impossible, I'm going to raise him up and heal him. Together, they worked the healing ministry of Jesus and the saving ministry of Jesus. In fact, it tells us in Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. People were coming from all over to hear Jesus and to be healed. Now, we recognize today that Sin and sickness, the things that we experience today in this life are a result of the fall of man. Sin entered the world and sickness entered the world when the decisions were made not to follow in obedience to the Lord. And as a result of that, we are born with a sin nature. We are born into a world that is sick, it is broken, it is diseased, and it is destroyed. And in the middle of that world in which we live, Jesus Christ comes and says, supernaturally, because of your relationship with me, there are times when I will intervene and I will bring healing to you. The greatest healing that takes place, by the way, is the healing of salvation. There is no greater healing, which means that if you're here today 
and you have never received Jesus Christ with your own words by inviting Him, saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you died in my place. You became the penalty for sin for me that I could never pay. And that by the blood that you shed for me, your blood covers my sins when I acknowledge them to you. When you say that with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has died for you, you will be saved. The greatest miracle that ever takes place. Because none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy of that. Following that, in relationship with Him, God begins to glorify Himself and some of the things that He does in miraculous ways for us. And I have a lot of stuff written down here that I'm not going to go through because I want us to get to the place where we begin to pray. If you want to, you can go online and watch the first service. I spoke in a little bit more detail about this there. But I need you to know this. God's gift of healing is a gift of His grace. It is a gift of His grace. There are some of you here that need a touch from God. But you're battling on the inside that I am not worthy. I'm living in such a way that I think God doesn't love me, that I don't deserve His grace. Can I just tell you, none of us deserve His grace. It doesn't matter how long you may have known Him. It doesn't matter how holy or righteous you think you live. Every one of us have been granted salvation through Jesus Christ and any gifts that He gives to us strictly as a gift of His grace, unmerited. None of you can sit here today and say, I've lived in such a way that I deserve this. Oh, no, 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 no. His gift of healing is a gift of His grace. I also want you to note that as you look at your Scripture, you'll notice that when people came to Jesus for healing, they did not demand Him. Lord, you owe me this, or I'm demanding this of you. And, and there are some people that said, Lord, if, if you don't heal the way I think you are, then you're a liar. Can I just tell you, I'm not talking to the sovereign like that. There is an attitude in which we approach God, understanding that we don't look at healing as our right. We look at it as a, great, a gracious gift that's been extended to us by the work of Jesus Christ. And so He does this work within us as we ask there's also an element of faith that's involved in this. And let me just address this. We hear that by faith you have been healed. And, and there are some people that believe and teach and preach that if you just have enough faith, God will do anything on your behalf. Can I, I just want to caution you because there have been people that I have heard that, that ministers have said, if you just had enough faith, you would have lived, or if they would have lived. If you just had enough faith, this is, can, can I just tell you something? There is not a hurdle a faith that you must jump over to reach it high enough to suddenly say, God say, oh, that was it. You finally got enough faith and I can respond to you. In fact, he speaks to us and says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, let me tell you what mustard seed faith looks like here this morning. It means that you are willing to get up from your seat and come to the front and let somebody pray for you. That is the acknowledgement that what I am asking of God to do, I'm going to provide Him the opportunity to do by my willingness to say, I am coming to let those who have the authority to lay hands on me do so in the name of Jesus. And so if you are worried that somehow you don't have enough faith and, and it's not big enough and that you can't do that, let me just say your response is mustard seed faith. In fact, there's a really interesting passage of Scripture that's found in Mark, and, and, and Jesus comes down and he sees a father and his son that, that wasn't being healed, and, 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 he, and he says, 
Jesus says, do you have faith? He goes, yes, I do. And then he immediately follows that up with, but heal my unbelief. In other words, I, I believe that you can do this, and any unbelief that may be residing within me, can you bring healing to that? And so to you today, I say this. In your response, you're saying, I believe, and Lord, as I'm coming, please heal in me all of my unbelief because I want to come with faith believing that what you have for me is available to me. And then we also want to add this. Divine healing, and pray for divine healing, neither opposes nor competes with medical doctors. I want you to know that God uses doctors, medical professionals, medicines. He uses them for His glory. In fact, I would encourage for those of you that that are on medicines regularly, I would pray for that medicine like I pray for my meal. Lord Jesus, before I take this today... I understand that it's at your touch that anything is effective. So, Father, as I ingest this into my body, I ask that you would release and activate everything within this medicine that can bring healing to my body for your glory's sake. And that the doctors that God has blessed and the medical professionals that he's blessed with, intellect and creativity, all of these people are a gift from God. Having said that, our God is the final doctor. He is the great physician. I've known enough doctors in my time and been with them in hospitals before when they come up to me and they will say, Pastor, we've done everything within our intellect's ability, and now this is out of our hands. Can you please ask God to intervene? And so I do not want you for one second to think that we are against doctors because we're praying praying for divine healing. Their learning and training and skill are a gift from God to our world, and we're grateful for that. And finally, you need to know that we're all getting older. Some of us much quicker than others. You cannot stop the aging process. And ultimately, our greatest and total healing will be when those who are dead in Christ rise first and those of us who are alive and remain are caught up in the air to be forever with the Lord. If God answered every prayer that we prayed, oh, Lord, please for divine healing, none of us would ever die. We would never die. And he said, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You're saying, well, that was a real downer. I wanted to add some realism to this. And in the middle of all of that, as we said a couple of weeks ago, it is through the portal of prayer that we reach into the supernatural and begin to drag the power into the natural through that portal of prayer. And so we're going to begin to pray in just a few minutes, and we're going to do so with great expectation. And here's the pattern that we're going to use today, the biblical pattern for prayer. Because some of you are guests here today, and you're going, this has already been a service that's way outside my comfort zone. And now you're going to ask me to come in front of everybody and stand there, and what's going to happen to me? First of all, we're going to have the pastors and the deacons and the elders and others that are a part of our prayer team. And worship team, you can begin to make your way up here if you would, please. We're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to lay hands on you. We will not knock you down. We will not shake you until we break your neck. We're not going to force you to do anything that you are uncomfortable with. But the Scripture says that if you need healing, come 
and let them anoint you with oil and lay hands on you. It may be that we will put hands on the side of your head. It may be that we put hands on your shoulder. And if you're uncomfortable with that, just explain to them, say, put a hand on my back or something. But just whatever makes you comfortable. Because the oil is symbolic of the covering of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to do the healing, to glorify Jesus Christ at the command of the Father. And so though you will experience a healing and you may experience the healing, it is to God's glory that all of this is taking place. Not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but for His glory. In fact, there are some illnesses that I believe that people have had and you wonder why you've experienced it for so long. And the Lord says, because when I heal you, it's for my glory. When I heal you, it's for my glory. As pastors and deacons and elders, we have this authority. Not because we possess some secret prayer or because we have some special power. But Scripture is clear that the power to heal has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and is to be distributed by those with the spiritual authority to do so because it's by His stripes we were healed. So as a pastor, I have the power vested in me by God in living out my call to distribute to people water baptism where we step into the water and they symbolically are buried in the water and raised in new life as a symbol of what God has done in their life. I've been given the authority to distribute the elements of communion symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been given the authority to have an unmarried couple walk down an aisle and stand in front of me and with the words that God has given me I can pronounce them husband and wife and instantly they are married at the power vested in those words. What, I would be, what would I be saying to the church if we knew that Christ had purchased something with His blood but we are reluctant to distribute it to the church? We would be undermining the gospel and weakening the faith. Jesus Christ has purchased divine healing. And we who stand here today to lay hands upon you will be distributing that gift as God so desires.